Hello ladies and gentlemen on YouTube. Uh, I missed or I chose not to do uh, the summary uh, yesterday because I just wanted to do Clash. I slept quite well today. Uh, let's um, jump in uh, to day seven. Let's go through it rather quick because I'm sure everyone's just hyped up about the quarterfinals anyway. So let's just go through some other games and some initial thoughts. We can close um, the chapter on TSM and LGD and FlyQuest and of course Unicorns of Love. So we don't need to dwell on this too much. We, uh, of course, upload. I'm saying we, but I'm all alone. I am um, uploading these, since they are longer forms of content, onto the Spotify channel. I don't know, just, just search for the voice of Yamaro. The voice of Yamaro and you'll find it. It's not the link that is in below. I'm just too lazy to change it. Too lazy to change it. So we just, you know, we continue. I slept very well, in fact. I hope uh, all of you also slept well. It is something that um, I should cherish more. So I slept long and then during the group stage matches today, I was taking naps as well and that was uh, pretty nice. Anyway, uh, day seven, uh, Fnatic and TSM, I think Twisted Fate ban. I was saying always, if teams ban Twisted Fate, that renders the Nidalee of TSM useless. This time around they went for the Galio, but Galio is a very difficult champion to play. Very difficult. Galio is almost like the Renekton of mid, in the sense that uh, you, you, you cannot take any wrong decisions, because Galio, lane matchup-wise, is going to lose so, so many matchups. There's almost no matchups that Galio actually wins 1v1, so you need to take the right risks, and you need to make the right trades. Like the beauty of Galio is that, you know, his impact on the game is pretty linear. You know, if he falls behind, it's, it's all good. Uh, so you want to make sacrifices for the sake of Nidalee. And that's all right, right? You have Camille, you have Nidalee. On paper, it makes sense. But this game, Fnatic just showed that individually, they're so much better. They had um, full control over the game. Uh, they were aware of anything that Nidalee wanted to create. They took the dragons right from under the nose. They created tempo advantages through freezes. It was a very, very beautiful showcase of just a team being so much individually better. Then finally, Galio got some action down. And uh, he TP'd bottom. And it looked like uh, there's this game that I used to play. Uh, when I was a kid, I didn't have um, any consoles or anything. So I just went home and pretended to be friends with people that had rich parents. And I played this game called Pepsi Man. I remember it was my neighbor, Pepsi Man. We played Pepsi Man. And that's a game where the whole game, there's not a Pepsi ad. The whole game is just you running. You're just running. And then to decrease the amount of time that, uh, you know, basically you have to complete the lap in a set amount of time. And you can collect Pepsi cans. To decrease that time. Anyhow, I'm sure at least one person out there has played Pepsi Man. TSM TP'd bottom and then he just peaced out. It was a terrible TP. And um, Galio, the whole point is you go Predator, you have to use your ultimate, you have to use, uh, you need to trade HP for Prio, it's very important. And um, it just didn't happen. 
just didn't happen. Nemesis could farm away very, very easily. And um, eventually, there was this moment where Biofrost tried to roam onto the map, and it just got snapped in half, man. I think in a lot of these games, I think uh, TSM's bot lane was very, very ineffective. I, I think they got too used to getting carried, as as rude as that might sound. I think they had some good games against TL, right, in playoffs. I don't know what really happened against Team Liquid in the best of five they played. But I feel like throughout this tournament, unless they're playing Senna and Raka and both Doublelift and Biofrost were very, very ineffective as players. And at the same time, the top side of TSM didn't manage to accomplish much either in this group. And I feel like every other team in this group were just individually so much better. Genji, LGD, and uh, of course Fnatic, individually better. And um, I think a lot of things that um, they would, you know, do in North America just didn't really fly here. We had a point in the game where Camille was what TP'd on the wave, and Fnatic uh, chose this opportunity to snap. Broken Blade in half. Broken Blade uh, didn't uh, use Flash. Uh, he flashed way too late. And at the same time, Graves just won before stole uh, the Dragon. It just seemed like TSM had complete unawareness of what was going on. And Fnatic just... Just beat them in every aspect of the game. Uh, the game was very easy for Fnatic. Next game in line was a very dirty one. So what was surprising to me about Genji is that it's they run into the same Nidalee problem. So Nidalee is a champion that synergizes super well with uh, the with certain top laners and certain mid laners. So think Renekton, think Volibear. It is um, a champion that snowballs on the top side more so, like we've seen TF and Camille with Nidalee, those type of situations. Anyhow, Genji banned TF, uh, Graves, and Orn. Completely cool. Uh, Renekton is out. I think here Genji was ready to pick Lilia uh, together with Renekton if uh, enemy first picks Nidalee. So they have Renekton, Lilia trade for Senna, Nidalee, Volibear. All cool. Uh, but the thing is, Genji, this is where we might see some opportunity for Genji. I mean, for G2 that are facing Genji. Is that Genji are trying to force or... I don't know who they're trying to convince that they are a strong topside team. I don't know if it was an idea to do specifically in groups or if it was an idea that they want to, you know, be aligned with. But I think Genji's strength is when they play through mid into bottom. I think Khalid has had a great tournament. I think it's been very, very solid. I think... Uh, Coming into the tournament, I thought he would be inconsistent, but he's been the thing that has been the most consistent, I feel, on Genji. Considering some of the health issues, life had that blunderous game, BDD has been good too. I think Genji, when they play mid into bottom side, can't take games off of a diamond or top esports. Can't take games. I'm not saying they are better, but I think they can't take games. When they play topside, they look very, very wonky. That practice did indeed uh, pay off because 
later in the day we had a game between Fnatic and Genji, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. This game was an absolute mess. It should have been over very fast because Renekton died a couple of times and Volibear and Nidalee were very far ahead, but LGD managed to claw their, themselves back and then eventually it ended in the most absurd way where LGD, of course, the composition scales worse. So they have the Orianna, Lilia, Renekton. Enemy has Senna, uh, Senna and Azir and Volibear and Nidalee. I, I just feel like the counterparts here just scale better. I think Tom is decent into Pantheon. I think it's just an easier composition to to navigate when it comes to you know how good Azir is going to be against the enemy champions. It's hard to play Lilia and Renekton against Azir. Anyhow, we continue. This game, uh, just before we continue, it ended in a way where LGD were just pushing down mid when they gave up a dragon, and then Genji just came up from behind and. Uh, LGD, I don't know what their plan was, but they were trying to look for end, and it was very, very unrealistic, and uh, they just got aced, and they lost the game. So this was a game that made made the stock value of Genji go down quite heavily, because they kept aligning with the Nidalee Volibear and couldn't find the right transition. When Genji, usually when they're ahead, are a very, very precise team, but I think usually that is when Ruler and BDD are the driving forces within the game. We continue. Uh, Genji versus TSM was also, you know, this was at the point where TSM was already out, and this was a good game from TSM. Uh, finally, Bjergsen showed some flair and color. I think Spika was a good performer throughout the tournament. And uh, the only, you know, I was saying, I was in the Castle Green Room, and I was saying to Dracos, because we were both on the Anna's desk on this day, we, I was saying, I think Double Lift is going to throw playing Aphelios against the enemy team composition. And it was just my gut. And time and time again, it happened. It was a very, very awful game. I don't want to pinpoint it only on double lift, but uh, this Aphelios choice was strange to me. I understand that you want to pick something that is uh, decent into Orn, but after they've nerfed Aphelios armor penetration into lethality uh, it's a nerf or buff whatever you want to see it uh, I think he doesn't do that well into Orn as you would like to think so that was what was so confusing to me uh, about the pick here like I wouldn't want to play Aphelios against Oriana Orn Senna Graves like that is tough for Aphelios to navigate and it was very evident in the game too. Like there's a range gap here and Aphelios is not that mobile. Lantern needs to have obscene amount of value uh, to, to work. But TSM were definitely in a winning position in this game. And they went for a Hail Mary Nasher. And that Nasher... It was such a strange decision because up until that point things looked good. Uh, of course they had blunders here and there but... That Baron was stolen away by a Senna auto attack. It was very strange. Very, very odd. I couldn't understand it at all. Um, if, if I'm TSM 4-5, I just would pick Ezreal uh, Rakan uh, for uh, these two guys in the bottom side. 
but it was strange. Laxena auto-attacked and got the Nash, and the game just turned on his head. So back-to-back -back two games, Genji looked very, very sloppy. This didn't get me excited. I got perfect predictions on this day. I have the Twitter predictions, but coming into the final match between Fnatic and Genji, I was a lot less certain uh, based over the level of of um, gameplay we saw from uh, both teams. This was also the famous clip that a lot of you have seen where Lilia sleeps five people and uh, there is no, no retaliation. No reaction. Reminds me of that... Uh, uh, remind me of uh, the good old... There's a story that uh, Jose Mourinho tells, tells about uh, Balotelli. Balotelli has a yellow card. Player with a with a very hot temper on the field, and uh, the enemy, uh, their opposition, knew about this, and they're trying to push his buttons. And then was Mourinho talk to him and say, if the the referee does a bad call, no reaction. If someone tackles you, no reaction. If the enemy says something to you, no reaction. Balotelli got a red card 46 minutes into the game. <laughs> he had this conversation with him on uh, during the, the halftime break. The reason I'm bringing this up and telling, say, telling the story is because... I'm telling the story because... Jose Mourinho <laughs> told TSM, Speaker, five-man sleep, no reaction. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling the story. But yeah, there was no reaction. There was a big discussion on Twitter uh, about, oh, they couldn't have follow up. No, they, they could have. Like They they were, they were just not awake. Uh, they didn't know that was coming. And uh, yeah, it was just a very, very depressing game. I least could have changed the story of TSM a little bit to take a game from Genji. That could have been cool. Take a game of... of, of uh, uh, LGD, that could have been cool, something like that. But 0-6 was very disappointing. Fnatic vs LGD, I'm trying to remember what happened here. Oh yes, oh yes. I was very happy with how Fnatic approached this game. Because the key issue of LGD is that as a team, they really, really lack teamwork. And on paper, Zoe against Zoe Graves against a Oriana Hecarim should be able to punish, should be able to get leads. But this requires coordination, requires team play. And I think Selfmade has performed so much better than Peanut in this tournament. LGD have won most of their games where they are stronger at team fights. And they get to that point through individual prowess. And here, Fnatic in the shape of like, like Zoe. Later on in fights, playing against Hecarim, Leona, Volibear is honestly a disaster. It is so, so difficult. And um, this game was also Fnatic showing up big time in the bot lane. Because Graves invaded together with uh, Senna and Nautilus. They invaded, started the red because they want to punish Hecarim. Hecarim, what can he do level 1? He's spinning his, his little... Pole axe or whatever that's called. He's spinning it. Whoosh, whoosh. Doesn't do much. 
his kit is kind of reliant on each other. And in this situation where enemy bottom has their jungler sniffing Fnatic's bot lane's ass, they managed to find the kill. LGD, of course, overextended is a big mistake from them, but they found the kill and that uh, killed any pressure that Graves had on the bottom side. Hecarim got to recover. Hecarim got a kill onto the bottom side because Nautilus and Senna lost their summoners. And then after Hecarim gets a kill, he is um, decent. I think Hecarim is a champion that you can pull off against some of the better teams. And that's a part of my worries when it comes to Fnatic. Uh, Hecarim is not played by the LPL or the LCK because of these reasons. They just find this champion to be too weak. That's why in the discussion of early game junglers, Set and Volibear or Leeson, whatever you want to put there, Elise, the problem is with these four champions, the problem is that the farming junglers are stronger than them in interactions. We think of Graves, Lilia, Nidalee. We put them in that class. Maybe you can put Kindred. She can be a pinky. Kindred is a little pinky. Hello, Kindred. She can be a little pinky. Okay. These champions have good interactions into these early game junglers. That's the problem. Volibear against Nidalee, Lilia, Graves, super tough. So you can match them while what Volibear and Set need to accomplish is very coin flippy, flash reliant. You know, you get a flash, maybe you get a kill, you snowball, that can work. It's just easier on paper to get away with uh, the farming junglers. But your decisions need to be precise. Hecarim, farming jungler, but he doesn't fulfill the same criteria as these other four. The Pinky Kindred, Lilia, the Graves, and of course uh, the Nidalee. So, Hecarim, if he fights against Volibear, loses early. If he fights against Set early, he loses. Like, uh, the interaction is back and forth. I, I wouldn't say straight up loses, but you get my point. It's not the same. LGD versus TSM. LGD versus TSM. This was a Zillion pick into Oriana. So Zillion Graves doesn't really function together. It just... Zillion really, really has no prior against most champions. Really, really has no prior. He even got solo killed. He got solo killed and LGD just showed that they were individually better. There was some back and forth but I never felt like TSM had any life in them. We can continue to the final game. Genji versus Fnatic. So this was, uh, I thought blue side won draft pretty hard here. First and foremost, you're picking Molfite into Lucian, Nidli, Renekton. Molfite in isolation is not good against Renekton. It's good that you can buy armor, but how valuable will that armor be? That's the question, right? That is always the big question mark. But here you're picking Malfa against champions that have dashes, they're mobile, and they're very strong early. 
Of course, it comes down to what the, you expect Genji to pick in 4-5. But the Tarek pick is very smart. My biggest issue and gripe with this is also my biggest issue with Fnatic coming into their best of five against uh, Knight and Top Esports is I don't see a world where... where Nemesis is going to be effective on anything else than the Lucian and the Oriana. We saw him play a Syndra game. We've seen some Syndra bans. Maybe that is something that is going to function. But Syndra needs, you know, some conditions from the jungle to win. Fnatic, I don't know if it's a decision from Nemesis or self-made, but the interaction between... Nemesis and every other piece in the game has been strange. I didn't understand this Lulu pick. I thought they're picking Cassio. I was like, 100% they're going to pick Cassiopeia here. That is the plan uh, for, uh, for Nemesis. And then it didn't happen. They picked Lulu. And I don't understand Lulu. Lulu Graves can be okay 2v2, but Lulu Senna, the interaction is not so exciting. Like the strength of this combo on Fnatic side is that there is a lot of cheap, strong items, right? The mana immune, like everyone itemizes very similarly with, with very cheap items. Morphite, cheap items, Lulu, Athens, Ardent. You have Senna with their lethality items or, or the mana immune. Very cheap items. So they can get ahead of the curve just a little bit. You know, on two core, they can be very strong because they're going to reach that before the enemy is going to, you know, figure it out. I was surprised by the Aphelios pick. I was thinking... You know, th this might sound wild to some people, but I thought this was a sick Kindred Tarek spot. <laughs> Kindred Tarek bot lane, you know, could have been juicy maybe. Kindred might be low-key OP, but I, I, I don't know about the matchups too well. Kindred bot is, is something that deserves some experimentation. But I also thought they were going to pick Caitlyn Morgana here. I thought Caitlyn Morgana... What are they going to do against Caitlyn Morgana? I just was surprised that Aphelios pick came. But Tarek is just good enough against Malphite to, to compensate. Like Tarek just straight up counters Malphite, right? The biggest issue though, if we look back at the draft for Fnatic, I think they should have just picked Oriana on third. I didn't understand the reason of picking Leona. Like, like Hillisang doesn't have a small champion pool. His, his champion pool right now is uh, matching most of the things that, that we want to do. I don't know. I really don't know. Just, just pick Oriana. Like if people are not banning Oriana Lucian first two, then just... You know, pick it. I think not picking Oriana here, getting Oriana Syndra banned, I think just showed a lot of weakness.
I know a lot of people out there are going to say, oh, this was fanatic experimenting, this was fanatic trolling, this was fanatic, well, you know, th these are variables that I can't account for. I, I, I don't, I'm not a mind reader, so I'm not going to try to sit here and speculate because this is not what people are listening to me for. I don't think uh, there's anything to gain to, to speculate. Yeah, they were testing something. Yeah, the draft wasn't good. Uh, their play wasn't that good either. They got 2v2 killed on bot. Uh, they had a situation where they killed Lucian mid with Lucian Lulu, with, with Lulu Graves. And that's very important. That, that kind of, you know, opened up the game. Then you had the dive on top that was very coin flippy. Lulu TP got the double buffs. And then we had this famous moment where LS Caster cursed uh, Nemesis and he gave up the double buff again. And then the dives continued. And during the time, there was also a double kill for Aphelios on bottom side. And that just blew up the game too much. The game disadvantage, the gold disadvantage was way too big. And um, it was just uh, terrible. A thing that I saw in Korea is, um, you know, since it's played, is that, you know, a lot of Korean AD carries like to pick Aphelios into center. I'm not sure why. I, I, I don't like it too much. Like, I'm not a big fan of Aphelios in general. Like, this game... Like, they won the 2v2, but I don't know if it's based over the fact that they had Aphelios. Because ever since they... Aphelios doesn't have natural armor penetration like the percentage one in his kit. I feel like he has gotten worse into tanks than before. Sure, he can stack chakrams and, you know, do a lot of um, damage in close range, but it's not something that really stands out to me as, as, as a great champion in the current meta. But they got the 2v2 kill on bottom, right? They got the double kill. So it's it's tough to complain about it. I just think the Tarek pick is also important. I don't think Malphi can do much against the Tarek, you know? And then the Phillips can region up during this time. Uh, Fanatic composition is very bursty, and Tarek uh, definitely counteracts that. I would have loved Cassio here because... Genji's composition is relatively short range, but, but Lucian Nidley can still win against Cassio. The matchup is not uh, a counter as it was in the past. It's just that Cassio's miasma and, in general, control of space uh, is in the same bucket as Cinder Oriana here. I just think not picking Oriana third was the biggest blunder. Anyhow, uh, we continue. I think um, to close the chapter on LGD... I think LGD uh, had some clear issues that couldn't be solved and issues that could be solved. And I think a lot of those showed up in play-ins already. I think if LGD didn't get to play play-ins, I think there's a big chance that they go 0-6 straight up. And um, I think with the games that they got to play, they got to figure out some of the issues they had in terms of how they want to draft. Because the key thing is, some issues that you can't solve through practice is some things that you can solve through preparation and draft. And they took a lot of games with Twins, with Kindred, with Orn. And I think um, that was, um, you know, good of them. TSM 
I think, you know, they had a tough group. I feel like the way they got here, like coming into the tournament, I felt like Team Liquid was better than, you know, than people thought coming into the tournament. I felt the same about FlyQuest. It it felt like FlyQuest and um, and Team Liquid just kind of dropped the ball in playoffs. It was very strange to see, honestly. I felt like FlyQuest and Team Liquid underperformed. I was saying this in my past videos. This is not some hindsight thing. And I felt like the, the team that got Seed 1 coming into this tournament could have been very varied. It could have been any of these three teams. Team Liquid going through play-ins, they also maybe learned bad habits because they tried to do the Twitch Rakan and lost the game straight up because of it. They lost the game against Machi X Esports, um, where they got just plowed completely. And uh, that was very tricky for Team Liquid's position. I think FlyQuest and Team Liquid can walk away being happy with their performance, but the nature of best of ones, it comes with a lot of silliness. And everyone's left with just the scoreline in the end. TSM won 0-6. But two of these games, they were heavily winning. And then they threw it away. Those games came... Were they heavily winning two games? They were heavily winning one game, I think, against Genji. I wouldn't say they were heavily winning against Fnatic. Flyquest as well stole a game from Top Esports because Top Esports drafted very poorly. And I'm not going to lie, even though team Top Esports drafted poorly, I didn't think that they would drop a game to Flyquest. Flyquest got a lead, they had the level one, and then they got the hook on bottom, and then they just kept it cool they kept it calm and composed and they played around the drakes and the objectives and then there is no bullshit that toby swords could pull uh they, they couldn't think of anything outside of the box because the truth is right there the truth is in the picks and uh flyquest were very sturdy same with team liquid right team liquid against suning they stole a game from suning even though i think team liquid is worse where they had them all fight into the triple AD carry comp with the Graves, Senna, and Jace. That was uh, very silly. I think TSM can walk away from this feeling that uh, tactical, I mean, not tactical, Speaker. That's a very nice prospect. I think Speaker did well. In the conditions the Speaker was jungling in, it's very hard to, to do anything at all. And I think Speaker is exciting as a jungler uh, considering he's a rookie tactical the same thing he's a rookie i think that's exciting for the whole region and um, i guess you have to take a harsh look at players like doublelift because his entire year was not that good in spring he had these he was performing horrendously and coming into summer i think uh, most of the time uh, the focus was always on, on Bjergsen. I think Doublelift had a couple of good series there, for sure. Against Team Liquid, for example, I think that was a good series. I don't want to take everything away from Doublelift. But you have to begin 
to put things in perspective if you want to go further. You know? Are some players past their prime? But this is not a world where I want to, you know, create additional hate. I think they, they have enough on their mind and plate already. I just wanted to give some thoughts. Final closing thoughts for TSM 06 is definitely a disappointing result. I had them fourth in my pick'em, but I didn't think it would be quite uh, this bad in terms of the results. In terms of level of play, yeah, but I didn't think they would not win at least one game. It just seemed like that what they prepared coming into the tournament was just complete, flat-out denied. We look at day eight. Day eight was coming into it. I thought it would be a pretty boring day. Uh, this match, uh, a lot of people were pointing to uh, Solo and his Orn and his performance. The issue here is just FlyQuest couldn't really crack the bottom side. The RX played a topside heavy game and I think the biggest mistake that Solo did this game was burning his Flash 1v1. I, I don't know how much his Flash would make a difference in this game because FlyQuest just tried to play into bottom side, but the management of the lane from Deft and Korea was just way better than what FlyQuest had to offer. And um, DRX just simply snowballed by uh, diving Orn with the Galio. They used the Rift Herald, and I think this is not something that you can blame Solo for. This was a decision for FlyQuest to divide the map and to play into bottom side, but Jin and Thresh just got nothing out of it. I think Pantheon Senna are just better picks I feel and it's hard to be the ones forcing and uh, in this case you also have the Azir mid which is good into Galio but Galio as we mentioned before made the right sacrifices got Jace ahead and DRX did well in the fact that um, they made FlyQuest split up they made them split up they didn't put themselves in situations where they were forcing uh, as five and uh, DRX just showed that they were individually better. There's nothing more to it. I just wanted to say that this is not a game where you can blame Solo. I, I, I've been critical of Solo in past games, but this is his, his own performance is not the problem here. There was just no help coming his way. There was no problem for DRX at all to be defensive in the bottom side. There was no counterplay. FlyQuest were just folding as uh, their top laner was getting crushed. Next game in line, Unicorns of Love versus Top Esports. Uh, this was also one of those games that just blew up rather quick. Uh, there's not much to comment on here. Uh, top Esports got a, got a kill or two, and then they just broke open the game completely. Uh, there's nothing more to add to it, honestly. The Alex versus Unicorns of Love.
trying to remember. Hmm. Trying to remember. I really try did I just fall asleep during this match? Now to, to close the chapter on Unicorns of Love. I felt like the role of Unicorns of Love in the group stage was to remind us of how terrible Mad Lions really was. <laughs> uh, it's just pretty harsh. It's pretty rude. I'm trying to dig deep into my memory here, guys, but there is there is nothing in my memory bank. Nothing in my memory bank. Nothing at all. Anyhow, let's continue to the main event. Top Esports dropping a game against FlyQuest. We have the Grace first pick. Senna was banned this time around. They look for Ash, and now we find out Jack Love's continuation and his champion prior. The idea of picking Luxkate into Ash is because Mikhail's is, a, is an item that is very good into Ash. But the key thing is, if you fall behind, this item is going to be bought very late. And that's exactly what happened this game. I think Top Esports were very disrespectful in how they drafted. Blind pick Urgot. Galio into Azir. Galio together with Caitlyn Lux. You know, sure it can work. It 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 can work. You know, I didn't I didn't come into this game and said to my my like I didn't have this idea in my mind. Oh, Flyquest is gonna win because they have a much better draft. So I don't want to take anything away from Flyquest and their victory here because I didn't I didn't. Uh, come out and say right away, wow, Flyquest won this draft so hard, it's going to be so free. Uh, Blitzcrank gets locked in. I feel like picking Caitlyn Lux into someone like Ignar is a bit disrespectful, but it's something that you can pull off. And then after picking Galio into Azir is a bit trolled, because Azir is good into Galio. And Galio, you need to find some kind of synergy, and uh, you uh, definitely want to look out for you know champions that can go in for you. And then the Ergo blind pick. Ergo blind pick. And that's a curveball. Not everyone's prepared for it. But the Nar as a pick, Nar as a choice, was good. And Solo had a great performance. Solo had a good performance. On this channel, we don't keep anything personal. We don't keep grudges. We say it as we see it. And Solo had a good performance. He was getting dove. And then he was defending himself with the Ninja Tabai. And um, the key issue here for Top East was, was that they just refused to let go of the level 1. I think level 1 was very disrespectful uh, because Fly walked away with kills, Lily got ahead. That's something that is important. And then Galio was roaming all around the map trying to make something happen. And eventually he just came back to mid and he was 
30 CS to 65 CS and there's just no recovery from that. Because FlyQuest in this game just made sure they didn't take any risks. They took it easy, they knew they were in winning position, played around dragons, and that was all she wrote. Good performance from FlyQuest, good mid to late game, very nice. Early game, uh, they did what their champions could do. And this has been a trend of the meta, right? That often when a team gets ahead, they stay ahead and they finish. Because uh, the mold and the path to victory is pretty straightforward nowadays. Uh, we have the Drakes to play around. They had the Ocean Soul eventually in this game, and that's good. Props to FlyQuest. Not a lot of games we saw where a team was behind and then they uh, fought their way back. There was maybe one game with G2 against Sunni, or maybe Genji versus TSM. And there's nothing else that really stands out in memory. Those are the moments we saw the upsets. PSG versus, uh, uh, of course, uh, JDG. That was also a very similar story, very similar to this game. There was a big level one, there was a continuation with an invade, and then JDG fell too far behind, and uh, uh, that was cool. Uh, Team Liquid versus Sooning was more of a draft victory, which is very similar here, draft victory. Uh, but there are certain variables and in terms of preparation that you can definitely, you know, gain a lot out of. I feel like this World Championship definitely loves preparation in level 1 because the game feels very snowbally. So props to FlyQuest. I think they did better than I expected in this group. And uh, I, for one, I think they should be happy about it. 3-3. Three and three. It's good. It's solid. A lot of people are going to have the discussion about TSM's group being easier. Well, it's, it's very tough because... You know, it's, it's probably harder to take a game of top esports than any other team in uh, Group C. But the average level of each game, I think, is higher in Group C. Because here you have Unicorns of Love, right? So the average is higher in Group C, I feel. That's why the conversation about TSM's group being harder, I think it's just... It's easier to be 0-6 in Group C than it is in this group. But it's easier to get out of Group C than it is in this group. Does that make sense? Anyhow, we continue. Last game of the day. I thought this was beautiful, beautiful uh, from DRX in terms of drafting. Toby Esports have a range composition that needs to survive the ultimates of DRX. So it comes down to ult usage. Very important. Kindred ultimate and bard ultimate have unbelievable value here. You have the bard ultimate for the Ash and the Oriana. They can't avoid it. Very good stuff. Galio ultimate for any type of combo that Vladimir wants to pull off. The shield can be massive and game-changing. He's going to get a death cap eventually. Boom. Orn upgraded. Whoosh. Very, very nice. They have tools to survive and to punish top esports. But it all comes down to the usage of those ultimates.
in this game. It was a very, very big back and forth, and I felt like DRX were winning because they were winning the small clashes with the help of Galio, and uh, Pioshik had a wonderful early game. I felt like they transitioned into the mid-game with a lead, and that was very, very good for them. I thought the Lulu blind pick together with Ash, it works, but bar is open. I just felt like DRX's composition will have so much value from Kindred, Bard, and Orn in this game. I don't like Vladimir into, into Orn at all. The simple reason is, by the time Vladimir is going to reach any breakpoint, is when Orn is going to begin to build items. Orn has an easy time in this lane. If anything... Vladimir is the one that can get ganked sometimes. And um, eventually Orn should buy a goddamn locket of the Iron Solari. I don't know why it didn't happen. Why didn't they build a locket of Iron Solari on the Orn as a third item? You can deny so much of the Oriana and the Vladimir combo, and that's pretty much the only danger here. Bard can get the redemption, and then these items are going to be so powerful against the enemy team. You have Mikhail and redemption eventually, if you have money on Bard, maybe he should even farm and take some gold away from the people, because redemption is going to be so goddamn valuable here. You're going to get an upgrade from Orn, and the healing gets amplified from your runes and from uh, Mikhail's as well. But Tobisports were just way better. They were way better. They played around these ultimates, baited these ultimates. And then when these ultimates are on cooldown, when there's no Bard ultimate, there's no Orn ult, no Kindred ult, Tobisports' composition is way better. Way better. They can kite into them, chase into them very easily, maneuver themselves. They aren't playing champions that are so reliant on ultimates, right? Oriana's DPS output, Vladimir's DPS output, Ash, very, very good at uh, prolonged fights in this case. Galio is like a one-pump chump, right? He needs to commit, he needs to gain value. Orn, the same thing with the Orn ultimate, bar two. Tobias would just maneuver themselves beautifully around these ultimates. Itemization was a bit off with DRX. And um, this felt like a very, very serious Top Esports. Top Esports individually showed up here. It was a very beautiful game, and it's hard to put words into all of the effort that DRX went through to, to gain value here. But from first glance, when I was watching this draft, I was like, Bard, Orn, Kindred are going to be so, so happy. The only question mark is, of course, Galio. Galio is getting picked so much, but I honestly don't like the champ. I really don't like the champ. That's the only thing that makes me question this draft. 
Galio. Galio's ultimate gives you an AoE shield, which is cool. But other than that, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. I just don't. Second wave bans also a bit strange. Blitzcrank Morgana. But to be fair, I wouldn't want to ban Lulu Vladimir. It seems like Galio functions. I feel like Galio works in spots where other things would also work. You know? I know he has a shield in his ultimate and so forth, but my god. Ever since this champion lost his uh, W flash, I've not been excited about this champ, honestly. <laughs> so, so I don't know how to view it. I could, it's a good champion when you can... Like, it just feels like a shitty Twisted Fate. It's just a shitty Twisted Fate. So I don't know. Like it's just Gali doesn't have any good jungle, like doesn't have any lane, good lane matchups. Same thing can be said for TF. But Galio struggles to find value in later parts of the game. It's not as easy as Twisted Fate where you have rapid fire canonas and then you yeah, 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 yeah. You can throw some cards. You know, it's easier. While Galio needs someone to deliver him from evil, sure, Galio can have some moments where he pops off. Like, Chovy is a fucking good, good Galio. Like, some of the shit he's done, guys. Did you see the game against Genji, what he did? He saved the game. Kablao! Very, very good. In terms of potential, you know, pure potential of what Galio can do. There's never going to be a scenario where Twisted Fate lands a fucking insane gold card that stuns five people. That's not going to happen, right? So that's the trade-off. But those conditions feel so hard to achieve. I feel like TF's, TF's performance is like this. While Galio is like, it can be here, it can be here. But the moments where it's here is so infrequent. So I don't know if I like it. Especially when, you know, we have some of the most insane mid laners at this tournament. The, the mid lane meta is so boring. I don't... Like, if, if I was not a good... Like, let's say I knew nothing about League and I watched Worlds. I would have no idea that some of the best mid laners in the world were at this tournament. Unless you watched Chovy and BDD and, and like, Knight the entire year, it would be kind of whatever, right? So about the junglers? This is weird. Makes me kind of unhappy. I want to see more. 
I don't like this jungle meta. I don't like it. Yeah, mid mid is just another support. I'm so if if the question is if you don't pick uh, Kindred, if you don't pick Galio here, what would you pick? Well, I think Oriana has been the the strongest blind. For sure. Rise is fun. Rise is fun to have in the meta. Rise is really fun, guys. You know, Rise has so much potential in the kits alone. How can you complain about Rise? I personally love uh, mid lane uh, oriented metas. But now it's all about the junglers. Mid laners are picked to support the junglers. And uh, Chovy did a very good job of doing that. To fulfill that role. It's just weird. It's funny, right? This is... This is Doimbi's meta. <laughs> I feel like, like Doimbi could be so good. But FPX had many issues. Obviously, the most fun metas for mid laners are assassin metas, split push metas. That just isn't the case anymore. Lucian is fun. Syndra's fun. Oriana's fun. Nevertheless, we shouldn't get stuck in this very, very subjective uh, conversation. I, just to answer the question of, I'm sure people wonder, is, well, Amaro, what is what was your favorite meta? 2018 was my favorite meta. I love 2018 meta. All about clever 2v2s in the mid lane, and Rookie and Ning were by far and beyond the best. So, okay. Now, for something that a lot of you have waited for, let me just make a print screen. Let's think about the group draws together. I'm just going to make a quick print screen and put it up on the screen so you guys see it, for those who don't know. So I think for G2, this was the best draw that they could have hoped for. By far. Boom, that's a picture. Boom, beautiful. Look at that, man. No one's eyes are hurt. All right. All right. So, of course, pickems are not open yet. We will do a pickem. Let's start off from the top. Top Esports versus Fnatic. Top Esports obviously favored. I think 
Fnatic's strength in the group stage is no longer a strength against the best performing AD carry at the tournament. Jackie Love. Whew. It is monstrous. I think the issue with Fnatic 2 is like if I'm preparing against Fnatic, I'm looking at their jungle champion pool and I'm looking at their mid lane champion pool. If I can push safe mate onto Hecarim, I'm happy. You know? If I can push Nemesis away from Lucian, Oriana, this would be my goal. And keep in mind that another additional factor that makes this even harder is that top esports get to choose side. As tough as it might seem, I think Topis was going to 3-0 Fnatic. Derelmo, thank you very much for subscribing. Keep this in mind that there is no shame at all in losing to top esports. How could Fnatic win? If Fnatic have clever level 1 plans, Hillisung is very good at it, they get to snowball through bottom, that could be amazing. Someone in the chat said that Fnatic has a draft advantage, that's really not true. Casa can play anything, top can play anything, mid can play anything, bot can play anything. There isn't really anything that stands out as a draft problem for top esports. Thank you, Drefaya. So to, to bring back the conversation, how could Fnatic potentially win? I think through clever level one plant, through snowball, through bottom side. I think Fnatic can think of some cheeses to, to bridge the gap and to hide the issues. I think also maybe there are some draft scenarios where they can find the right champions. I think Whippo Hillisang letting them pick 4-5 is very good. Because I think Whippo has a decent champion pool. Like if we look at Fnatic in this tournament, right? The stars align for them. Whippo, Whippo has always been the, the guy who plays, he li always liked the Volibear, played it the first in top lane in Europe. That's a good thing. He plays a lot of Orn, plays GP, plays all of the tanks, loves to play weak side. He's like the weak side top lane king, right? Never gets any attention from his jungler and he always figures it out. Whippo's very good for this meta. Same thing with our boy Hillisan. Look at the bot lane meta right now. We have Rakan, Leona, Nautilus. All very good champions for, for Hillisan. We have a farming jungle meta, something that uh, Selfmade really tried to make happen while the meta in his region didn't push for this. Like he was playing Graves forever. All right? 
just playing Graves forever. They were trying to make the farm jungle meta work forever. And then the patch landed, boom, the stars aligned for Fnatic, which is super good. But I am worried when teams can utilize their mid lane to impact the side lanes. This is where things get dangerous. And Tobis was is very good at this. I feel like there's a huge disconnect. I, I don't want to put the blame completely on Nemesis because I don't know what's going on within the team. But Nemesis is not a part of the team too much. We saw some hints of it because Fnatic gained a lot of confidence in the, in the last day of play that they had. They gained a lot of confidence. I was happy about this. Fnatic showed us some good level of play. But against Topis was it's just such a fucked up draw. It is very, very hard. So my prediction is 3-0. This brings me to the next one. Which is uh, Sooning versus JDG. The last... Trying to remember when the last time these uh, two faced off against each other. But I think Sooning in this tournament. Sooning in this tournament have shown some insane level. I think SOFM. I am enchanted by SOFM. Very, very enchanted. I think Sooning is the dark horse that is going to cause some damage in this bracket. Let's make one thing clear. Uh, I think the top side bracket is much tougher than the bottom bracket. Much tougher. Sooning, JDG, Top East was Fnatic. That is hard. Sooning versus JDG will be incredibly close. I think um, this will be very, very close. Sooning's story this entire summer has been of improvement. Thank you, Lilbert. It has been of improvement, and that's huge because Sooning's time during the group stages have also been of improvement I think if people are curious about SOFM and what's so amazing about them I suggest that you go and take a look at uh, the game between them and uh, G2. The tiebreaker. What SOFM did to Yankos was straight up illegal. It was nasty. It was dirty. A bunch of rookies, 
are not going to win the whole thing. Pretty sure Jackie Love was a rookie when he won Worlds. Baolan too. I think Tian and Crisp were also rookies. So I don't know about that. Let's just let's just double check real quick if uh, they were actually rookies. Use bench. I'm not sure if they were rookies, guys, so this might be fake news. Jackie Love joined Invictus Gaming at the age of 15, too young to play in the LPL. 2018, Jackie Love finally became old enough to play in the LPL. Okay, so Jackie Love. Jackie Love is 18, guys. 18. My goodness. Baolan. Baolan. At the beginning of season, Baolan renamed to Megan. He renamed to Megan? My goodness. <laughs> what a name. Okay. And then after they failed to make it to Worlds, he renamed to Baolan again. So he was Megan for a little while. Let's take a look at Crisp. Crisp? How long did Crisp play? Crisp was a newbie. He was a newbie, okay. Sorry, guys. Yeah, my information about who's a rookie and who's not a rookie uh, is very bad. But back to the conversation. Just because someone's a rookie doesn't uh, necessarily mean that um, they can't win worlds. Uh, forgive me for spreading false information about who's a rookie and who's not. I still think Sunni is a dark horse. Yeah, Faker was a rookie. Fake was a rookie when he won Worlds. But those are different times, right? Almost everyone was a rookie. The tricky thing about JDG is that besides their game against Damwon, I wasn't too excited about JDG. But it, it just seemed like he was just fucking around. <laughs> JDG, it's tough to take a lot away from the group stage alone. And uh, JDG dropped a game against PSG. Um, I think this is going to be a very close series. And uh, I will predict it when it comes down to my pick'em. I have some time to think of my pick'em. Uh, I didn't get a chance to think about it too much. The group tour was literally a couple of hours ago, if not just one hour ago. So I'm going to ponder on this a little bit, the Sooning and the JDG. Genji versus G2, I'm going to be honest with you. With what we've seen so far, I am leaning towards Genji. 
The reason is when it comes to G2, I don't know what they have as an advantage over anybody else at this tournament. I don't feel like G2 is good in best of fives is, is good enough. Rookie was a rookie in one world. Ah, come on. In the past, G2 were the best when it came to mid to late game decision making. Their biggest issue was early game. Mid to late game decision making was the best. Now I can't say the same. I think Damwon, Top Esports are better. In the past, I could say the preparation was the best in the tournament, 2019. But now, I can't say the same. Right now, the preparation was off. So a lot of the drafts look bad, and they don't seem equipped to deal with the current meta. What has G2 got going on for them? Caps, Mickey, Wunder. These three pieces I believe in. World class. Perks and Yankos have been iffy. But, but, Perks and Yankos are players that can definitely find a lot of improvement in the span of a week. You know? Perks and Yankos have solved issues time and time again for themselves. These guys have been around for a long fucking time for a good goddamn reason. And I know the conversation will be framed in a way where G2 can perform when it matters, but did they perform against Suning when it mattered? They didn't. They had two chances to do so. And I know there's going to be G2 apologists out there that are going to say, well, yeah, well, they don't care if they're seed 2 or seed 1. On the other hand, Gen G. My issue with Genji is I don't think they are playing to their strengths. If Genji played from mid to bottom, they are so dangerous. Oof. So dangerous. But they just refuse to do it. They refuse to do it. It blows my mind, man. It blows my mind. It's really, really painful to watch. I think BDD is performing well. BDD has been performing really good. But they're always playing Nidli, Renekto, Nidli, Volleyball. Like, why are they playing into topside? I think Rascal has been performing fine. And I think life has performed below expectations. 
It's just... I'm not ready to give up hope on Genji's bot lane. This is a very insane bot lane. But coming into a best of five, I think... Genji... If I just compare how both of these teams have looked in best of fives in the past, G2 tend to... Like, I believe in G2 to figure out more about themselves than Genji within this time span. That's my expectation. But in terms of what we've seen so far, I think Genji have shown more. I don't believe G2 can pull the same trick as they did against Team Liquid, where they're like, yeah, okay, we're going to just we're just going to pick Volibear and go bot. This is a tough one to predict. I just don't think that this is a very, very tough one to predict. I only said I'm leaning towards Genji, but I haven't made my final decision. I think there was a question mark about Clid's performance. I think Clid has been decent. I think Clid has performed better than Yankos. Probably, like if we look at all the junglers that are in the top eight. I, I, Yankos is probably the worst performing jungler. I, I'm noticing a lot of people in the chat are looking at seed as if that's supposed to determine anything. Like, oh, Europe, this is the seed one team from Europe. They can't beat Koreans third seed. The, the form at the tournament, your past form only determines the entry of the tournament. It, there is no correlation. There's no connection here. Being first seed, second seed, third seed doesn't matter. It really makes no difference.
the key thing about G2 still, their two least performing members are players that definitely within the span of a week can figure stuff out. There's been times where Perks has underperformed in the best of five and then next week he's like, holy shit. Because these two players, Yankos and Perks, have been through every fucking meta that you can imagine. They've seen every issue and problem that you can imagine. They know the solutions. But Genji's issues at Worlds have been similar to the ones in the past. And people are mentioning Capsule, Cap BDD, but let's be honest. Caps hasn't been, you know, Caps is not in a position where his role is that dominant as it was in the summer split. Just mid, mid has been very strange this tournament. Genji. Like if they come into this best of five and they're like, we're going to play mid into bot. We're going to draft mid into bot always. And this is how we're going to defeat them. Rascal safe side. I think Rascal is, he's solid as a rock man. Rascal is solid when he's playing weak side. He knows when to give up. Plays the right champions. That is super key. To think that Caps is going to take BDD for a ride, really, really no. BDD is really good. BDD lane phase is really strong. After this discussion and uh, thinking out loud, after thinking out loud, I just feel like I'm leaning towards Genji. But I'll make a final decision in my pick'em video. I'm going to take some time to to think about it. So. We move on to the next best of five, and um, all in all, we will make the final prediction when we do the pickems, which is going to be open up tomorrow, so it's not going to be a lot of time. Let me just sleep on it. Damo versus DRX. I think DRX. Uh, I, I think. DRX past 15 to 20 minute marks. I I just lose faith. 
in DRX. I think Damon is going to take a repeat trio. They look better than they did in uh, the finals. And uh, DRX are showcasing some of the... Some of the... Some similar issues. And... Um, I don't think that's going to change. I think DRX early game are very good. They're a bit coin flippy when it comes to draft. I think... Um, Chovy is very good individually, but it, that's not rewarded right now and how the meta is. Like him playing Galio, it doesn't really showcase what Chovy is capable of. And um, I think DRX got a very hard draw here. I think Toby Sports and Damwon will go to the finals. And then, my prediction for the finals, I'm leaning like 1% top esports. Because I think their ceiling is super, super high. But what we've seen so far, Damon definitely looked like the best team in the tournament. But I'm gonna look in look in my prediction tomorrow. Pioshik has been good, honestly. I think the players that people had the most question marks about when it comes to DRX have performed good. Doran and Pioshik have been strong players for DRX in the group stage. Pioshik early game, very nice. I think Clid also has performed well. What I'm noticing as a trend uh, with uh, most viewers is that they are using, like using, using, I was thinking of sooning and using at the same time. They're using last year as if it has any, like, as if it has so much weight into this conversation. Many times I, I read, wow, you know what? G2 beat Dama last year? G2 beat Dama last year? Hmm. They beat every Korean team last year? <gasps> Come on. That's not how it works. History repeats itself. Does it? Does it really? 
Anyhow, I'm very excited. Either way, super, super excited. Uh, we are going to... Uh, I'm just going to check if uh, my team is ready for Clash. What is the, what is the Clash, folk? So I'm, I'm planning to play Clash today. I hope you guys will join me to watch. This is going to be a very exciting world championship. If you guys want to see my 100% locked in predictions, I'm going to do my pickums tomorrow. Whew. Very good stuff. Thank you so much for watching. If you sneeze during this video, bless you and bless your face. We're going to continue streaming. Uh, adiós.